Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. And today, Zach, Scott, and I had the pleasure of speaking with former Sac Republic forward, Justin Braun. Zach, go ahead and tell us what we've got coming in this episode. Yeah, really fun episode. We got to talk with Justin about uh, just kind of his upbringing um, and, and just uh, his, his time in soccer before Sacramento, uh, which was really interesting. And then I uh, got to talk to him about what brought him to Sacramento, his relationship with Coach Precky, uh, as well as, you know, we spent a lot of time on that inaugural season, that championship season that we had um, here in Sacramento. And it was really cool to, to hear his insight, um, to hear his perspective I gotta say, uh, we we've had a lot of fun with these interviews. We got we got more to come, and this definitely ranks uh, as one of my favorite. This was a really really fun episode. Um, really really good to talk to him. He's a really cool dude. Uh, so yeah, you guys are in for a treat. Yeah, I think we are in for a treat. And you know what else is a treat? Our social media. Oh, look oh, at that transition. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube patreon and now you can find us on the beautiful game network 916 republic for all of those the beautiful game network we are under the sacramento republic uh, you will find another podcast there sacktown fc we kind of share the duties of uh, reporting stuff for the beautiful game network all the beautiful game network is is a, a network of dedicated podcasts that cover lower league soccer and some major league soccer and nwsl as well as some other leagues around the world so if you want a new destination for all your soccer coverage, go to the Beautiful Game Network. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. All right, joining us today is Justin Braun. Justin Braun. All right, let's give it up. Claps for Justin. Yay. Claps for Justin. Not in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> now, before Justin was captaining the boys in red, scoring goals, and leading the Republic to an inaugural season championship, Justin was growing up in Salt Lake City. And according to Wikipedia and his mother, had a very good career at Skyline High School. He then stayed local, played soccer for Salt Lake City Community College from 2004 to 2007. And Justin, now this is where my first question comes in. Now, from what it seems, you were able to land a contract with Chivas USA and thus started your professional career in 2008. I feel like there's a good story there. Please do share. <laughs> There, I don't know if it's a good story. It's a pretty crazy story. Um, yeah, I mean, I coming from Salt Lake at the time, Salt Lake wasn't a huge soccer hotbed. Um, I growing up, I didn't play. I actually didn't make like the big major travel team here. Um, okay. I actually didn't make it, and then so when I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I tried out for them. I wouldn't make it, and then they'd call me up three or four weeks after and say, "Actually, we want you to come play for us." Um, and every time I was kind of like, nope, like I'm just going to play with this other team. You guys had your chance. Um, but I had a good good career in high school. I loved the state and scoring my senior year. Um, nice. But just didn't really get exposure, so didn't have any college scholarship offers. Mm -hmm. My mom was a teacher at the community college, so I was going to go there for free and get my gen eds done. They had a club nice. team there. Um, ended up playing there. Really enjoyed my time there. Had a good little team. I tried transferring again after that to play in college, but 
again, no offers came my way. So I was just in Salt Lake playing in the men's league around here. And we ended up going to a tournament um, at the then Home Depot Center, which is where Chivas and the Galaxy played. And Preki at the time was at one of the games scouting another player. Um, ended up seeing me and invited me to come to preseason. And then two weeks in, was offered a contract and uh, kind of didn't look back from there. Turned it into 11 years. Yeah, so you, you spent um, four years at Chivas USA. Um, what do you think led to you being so successful at that club? Um, to be honest, I, I think I was just a very coachable. I had a lot of the raw talent. Um and the work ethic, and I wanted to continually get better. Um, yeah. And I really made sure to, you know, just kind of put my head down, work, listen to the veteran guys, learn as much as possible. Um, and then when my chances did come, I just tried to capture them and and, and perform well. And um, I think that led to me having, you know, continued success. And over those four years, um, you know, I was kind of able to establish myself as um, a player in the MLS. So then out of that, Justin, you were, um, you spent a couple of years there, had some good seasons at Chivas and you were then traded by Chivas in 2011 and spent a couple years on three different teams in, in the MLS. Um, what was that like for you? Oh, well, you want to hear a crazy story about how I got traded to Montreal from Chivas? Definitely. So do you guys remember, um, expansion drafts and there's the protected list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so going into that end of the year with Chivas, um, was told, you know, you're going to be a big part of this club going forward. Got put on the protective list, so didn't think I had anything to worry about. <laughs> um, day of the expansion draft, I ended up just kind of, it was like on the internet at the time. So I just logged on to see, you know, what was going on, what was happening. Um, and then all of a sudden I see, you know, Montreal selects James Riley from the Seattle Sounders. And then I see, and then they trade him to Chivas for Justin Braun. Wow. <laughs> Dang. So I found out I was being traded through the internet. Wow. After being told, yeah. So that, that was a bit of a shock for me. Um, and then obviously going from Los Angeles to Montreal um, was tough as well. Big, big difference in the, in the two cities and cultures. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So definitely had a bit of a hard time adjusting to things over there. So, hey, really quick, did you play with Alan Gordon when you were at Chivas? I did. Okay, did he ever tell you, uh, like, his relationship with Bruce Arena when he was with the Galaxy, uh, between, like, when he was with the Galaxy and Chivas? No. Okay, so, really, I mean, this is uh, on the Extra Time, or sorry, I think it's on the Benny and Sal and Ike podcast, but anyway, um, so he basically said that, like, Bruce Arena just, like, didn't choose him at all like wouldn't even acknowledge his existence in practice didn't like talk to him at all and mm-hmm. then as soon as he traded him to chivas he was like his best friend and like it's like just like he was just saying like there's some like crazy trade stories um in major league soccer that just nobody knows about so like that reminded me oh yeah um, there's, that there's a ton of trade stories i mean i had people would walk in the locker room the coaches called them in i mean when i got traded from montreal to salt lake i got called at 8.30 in the morning, said that you need to come in and talk to us and talk to him and said, hey, you got a plane, a flight booked for 12 o'clock. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, obviously I was excited to be going back to Salt Lake, but yeah. Yeah. It so was it like, was it like that every time you got traded or moved teams? It was like, Hey, just to let you know, uh, that's it. We're done. 
Um, yeah, so that time when I got traded from Salt Lake, Toronto, this is another funny story while we're on the <laughs> trade topic. Yeah. Um, end of the year, um, they kind of said, you know, we're, we're not going to pick up your option, but we're looking to trade you. Kind of where would you like to go? Um, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm really kind of open to going anywhere. I just don't want to go back to Canada. Yeah. So that was kind of like my only request. And then, you know, I got a phone call a week later from Garth Lagerway saying, you know, I got some good news and bad news. <laughs> good news is we traded you. Bad news is it's with Toronto. <laughs> so then, yeah, got to go back to Canada. Yeah. Why didn't you want to play in Canada? It's just, uh, you know, just the little things, just different, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know, more comfortable in the U.S. Um, I didn't have the great experience in Montreal, so it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. Um, But once I got to Toronto, I actually really enjoyed my time there and loved the city. Um, So I think it just kind of came from the bad experience I had in Montreal. Gotcha. Yeah. So then what about when you left? We're skipping ahead a little bit in the timeline, but what about when you left the Republic and went to India? I remember hearing a story that it was, your move was very closely related with Nemenya Vukovic. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. Your your Um, guys' moves to India were very closely related. Is that right? No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Um, That story was another shady situation. (laughs) um i i got i I can let it all out now because i don't have anything to lose um yeah so i actually had a guaranteed contract with sacramento um for that year and wanted to stay um loved sacramento my wife and i loved it had a lot of friends there um but paul buckle and graham smith at the time i guess were not fans of mine um (laughs) And essentially forced me out, um, even with a guaranteed tr- contract, basically threatening me that, um, you know, if you don't leave, I'm going to trade you here or here to the, all these, you know, smaller cities, smaller towns. Um, or, you know, you can come into preseason, but, you know, we're not going to, you're not part of the plans. You're not going to play. Um, a lot of that type of situation. So, had to kind of branch out on my own and was able to find um, Indy, which, you know, in the end worked out well. Um, but then obviously with the guaranteed contract once, um, you know, I was told I would get a certain amount of months pay because I was due the money from them. And then once it was all said and done, they kind of went back on their word and cut that back a lot. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the situation there. I love, love Sacramento, but the, you know, Paul Buckle and Graham Smith, you know, kind of forced me out, which was unfortunate. It does happen in sports as part of playing. Um, but, you know, hopefully the fans didn't think I wanted out of there. didn't have a, a good experience in there because, you know, Sacramento was probably one of the top places I was able to play. Yeah. Well, then let's just talk about how you got to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Yeah. So basically I, after Toronto, I was, you know, look at, looking for a new team. And um, I think Precky caught wind that I was out of contract. And he reached out to me and, you know, said he was going to be coaching this team in Sacramento. Um, kind of gave me some details of, you know, how excited the city was, how big he thought the club could be. Um, and, you know, to be honest, at first I was, you know, a little hesitant. 
Um, you know, I was hoping to stay in the MLS and um, didn't want to really drop down the league, but, um, you know, Precky, Precky really sold it to me. And obviously, you know, Precky was the one who gave me a chance. And I, you know, I figured, you know, playing for him, um, you know, could really get me back on track and, you know, get my career back to where I wanted to be. And um, so I ended up making the decision to come to Sacramento and, you know, I, there's not a day that goes by that I would ever regret that decision. And I think it was, you know, kind of one of those things that, that was meant to be not just for soccer, but, um, you know, like I said, my, my wife and I really just enjoyed the people of Sacramento, um, you know, the city there, the support the fans gave us. Um, it was just an awesome experience overall. And so if I could just take us back to kind of like that inaugural season, kind of going through training camp, did you guys have any idea what you guys would accomplish in that season, in that first season? No idea. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think when the beginning of the season, I mean, you looked at the roster, it was a lot of people that, you know, no one really knew about. Mm -hmm. um, some local guys. Um, but as the season started progressing, um, you know, we started winning games and the locker room just became so close with one another, um, where we really did feel like a family. Yeah. Um, and it was probably, you know, halfway through the season, maybe, you know, maybe a little less than that, where we as a group really realized like, Hey, we could, you know, we got something special here. Mm -hmm. Um, this city's behind us, you know, we got the full support we got, you know, the best crowd there is. Um, and we really felt like at that point, you know, it was really our championship to lose. Was that like kind of strong fan support right off the bat, kind of a surprise, kind of a pleasant surprise for you guys as players? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, the front office, Warren and Precky and all them talked about how much support they had, um, yeah. and how excited the city was about the team. But, um, you know, that first game we took a bus in as a team, mm -hmm. um, and just driving to, it was Hughes, right? Hughes stadium. Yeah. yeah it was oh, yeah. 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 And you know, yeah. we were, you know, before the even stadium, there was just lines of people walking towards the stadium. And then, you know, we were, I remember just being on the bus and we were all looking at each other like, holy cow, like this is <laughs> yeah. crazy. We, this is, we didn't expect any of it. And then obviously walking out. And seeing that stadium full, it really was like, man, there, this is special, and this is going to be a fun season. That's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, I, I, is there like a is there a preseason or even like a regular season game that kind of stands out for you guys? Just like one game specifically in that first season where you kind of realize you talked about kind of maybe like in the right before the middle half of the season, like things kind of mm -hmm. clicked in and, and you were like, wow, this is, this is something special. Is there like a game that stands out for you? I, I can't think of a game off the top of my head. Um, I think there was a part like in the middle of summer, we went on a pretty good run. Mm -hmm. um, I think we won, you know, seven or eight games in a row. And I think it was that, I don't remember how many games it was, but I remember that was kind of the run where it was like, yeah, no, like when we play, like we just had this confidence that no one could beat us, especially when we were playing at Bonnie. Mm -hmm. um, or, yeah, Bonnie was Bonnie at the time. Yeah, Bonnie Field, yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just started getting this belief that, you know, no one can beat us. And like I said, you know, we're, we felt like we could go all the way. Yeah, and something that you brought up, something that Chris Milaneb, too, 
that we had on brought up. You both said it was it was a very sounds like it was a very healthy family environment. Family environment was something that you know Chris kind of said too, um, which I think yeah, it sounds like it played a big role in in that season success. Uh, oh yeah, I mean that's that kind of what that makes a difference between a good and a great team. Yeah, um, is really just the culture because I think you know if you looked at our roster. Um, at that point in time, like I said, we didn't have the biggest names or people would have looked at our roster and be like, who are these people? Who are these guys? Yeah. Um, but it was really that willingness to, you know, fight for that guy next to you and know that you're going to do everything you can to help that guy out. And you knew everyone around you was going to, you know, do everything for you. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, I can't express how important that is, um, in sports, you know, over the years, I was on a lot of teams where, you know, the play all, we had a ton of really good players, but as a group, it just didn't click. Yep. Um, and you know, the, the team was crap to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with Sacramento, we just really clicked and everyone knew their strengths and, and, and the weaknesses. And, um, you know, we, we kind of lived off that, you know, we just lived as a group and lived and died by each other. And, and, yeah, that's awesome. And if I could just kind of pivot a little bit. So we recently, like I said, we recently had Chris on. Um, we had we did an interview with Ivan Murkovich. That's a little spoiler that will come out, you know, a little bit later. But uh, we, we were able to ask both of them about that great night uh, referred to as the Miracle at Bonnie. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it, I think you offer like a really great perspective, really unique perspective. So, you know, what was what was that game like for you? Um First off, in, in that first half before you came on, what was that game like for you in that in that first half? Oh, I mean that that game, that first half of that game was very hard for me to watch. Um, yeah, I had been out with the the broken bone in my foot, and um, you know I really wanted to start and play that game. Um, at that time, my toe actually wasn't all the way healed um, because I had I think I played it in the first playoff game, and it ended up breaking it even more. Dang. Um, so I was just really itching. And then I think we went, you know, we went down, what was it? Two zero. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, we just, was just itching to get out there. I, you know, I wanted to get out there and help in any way I could. And, um, you know, even coming into halftime though, when we were down two zero, there was still a belief in that group that, Hey guys, like we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Like there was really no doubt from us that, that we were going to come back in that second half and, and come away with with the points. And then, you know, after that first goal went in, um, things just started rolling. The fans obviously were unbelievable. We were picking up on that energy. Um, and I think that was the energy that really pushed us through um, to be able to have that comeback. And if, you know, if you remember, and if, you know, if you would like to share, was the plan before the game to have you come on at half or was that a, a halftime decision? I think it was one of those, I don't remember. I, if I recall, I think it was one of those situations where um, like if they didn't need to use me, they weren't going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, I think Preki at halftime felt like, you know, I could maybe give the team a little bit of a boost coming in, um, bring yeah. some energy and, you know, we were down two zero. So, you know, if I went in and something happened with my foot, you know, it wasn't the biggest deal. Um, I don't remember like if it was exactly a plan for me to come in at halftime. I don't think it was. It was an option. Um, yeah. You know, I was just, you know, wanted to get out there, especially once we went down and, you know, 
help help the team in any way. Sure. And if you could just kind of walk us through that second half, like how did you feel? What was the the energy like on the field? Oh, the energy was was awesome. Um, and I think that starts with the fans. Yeah. Um, you know, the Brickyard Battalion back there cheering us on, you know, the fans there never, never gave up hope either. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, I think they kind of had that same belief that we had. And, um, you know, I think we came out that second half and just started pushing. Everyone was given a little bit extra, um, you know, a little bit extra effort there. And then obviously, you know, Roro does what he does and, you know, scored some great free kicks and, and a penalty yeah. kick. And, um, you know, like I said, after that first goal went in, then it was really like, yeah, this we're going to, we're going to finish it off. Um, you know, to be honest, I think we got kind of lucky with the PK call. <laughs> the second yeah. one. Yeah. If we're looking back, I, if I was on the other side of that, I would have been fuming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the time we'll take it and that's, that's the game of soccer. And, uh-huh. you know, again, Roro came in and did what he does and scored some unbelievable free kicks and, you know, was able to bring us back. Did that rain feel as divine for you guys on the pitch as it did for all of us in the stands? It's just the timing of the rain. I don't know if they, it might not have been something that you, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me personally, I, I didn't think about it at the time. Um, you know, it wasn't until after when people started talking about it that it was kind of like, Oh yeah, that is kind of crazy. Um, but like in the middle of the game, like we were, I wasn't thinking about the rain. I was just, you know, focused, yeah, focused, and you know, trying to do what we can do to make sure we get the win there. Well, it was a special one, man. It was no, I was that was, you know, super pumped that I was able to be a part of that, and you know, it's it's an experience I'll, I'll never forget. You know, when that third goal went in, just the excitement and the energy that all of a sudden just erupted in that stadium. Do you plan on coming out for any games in the next year? In the next, I don't years? know if I'll be able to. I started a new job in January, and okay, for sure. Um, but I would. I mean, we would love to get back there, and you know, like I said, we love Sacramento. We still have some. You know, Mickey Daly lives close to there now, and yeah, still really good friends with him, and our wives are best friends, and so at some point we'll be out there. You know, getting together with them, and hopefully we can all make it to a game. You should come out MLS opening day. Yeah, that that's that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Should hey, talk to the club about bringing out the inaugural team, flying everybody be, out, and that'd be so sweet. That would be so. You know? That would be a great idea. I'm just throwing that idea out there right now. Hey, yeah, well, yeah. I, it's a great idea to throw out there. I like. We'll it. relay yeah. the message to Will. Yeah, <laughs> Will. Yes. Hey, you listening? <laughs> hey. So just to wrap up, uh, this has been awesome, Justin. Thank you so much. Uh, like I said, we had Ivan Murkovich on. Um, mm-hmm. asked him about you. He had a lot of great things to say. I was just wondering if you had, a, you know, maybe a story about Ivan, maybe a story about just a funny locker room story um, in that in that inaugural season. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a couple of things about Ivan. I don't know if they're funny. Um, <laughs> For sure. But one, Ivan was, you know, one of the most dedicated, passionate players I've been able to play with. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you as fans could see that on the field. He always gave everything he had and, you know, winning and losing was life or death for him. Um, Mm -hmm. And you always knew he, no matter what, he was busting his ass and giving a hundred percent every day. So to be, you know, those are the type of players you want to play with. Yeah. Um, On top of that, I remember, you know, Ivan carried that intensity with him 
every day in training as well. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you were, as, as a player, you're always, you know, you always kind of wanted to be on Ivan's team, um, especially in small-sided games, because you didn't want to be the other, on the other end of a tackle. Yeah, I get, and, I can see that. That doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely a few times when I think Ivan and I may have gotten into it because he put a good tackle into me, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I respect the way he plays and the passion he brought. Um, and like I said, you don't you don't get that from a lot of players. Yeah, he has a great number six. Yep, that's for sure. And I think, I, mean, I think he was a big part of you know the success the team had as well. Yeah, that that position is is very important. It goes yep. unappreciated sometimes. Oh yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. They don't get the glory. They're just kind of simple and kind of keep things organized. Yep. Yeah. So. So then really quickly, uh, kind of along the same lines, um, I feel like Preki is a pretty unique individual. Is there uh, any uh, like, like funny story or a unique time where maybe like people were just misunderstanding, you know, what he was wanting or anything like that? Any Preki story you have for us? Um, I can tell you. So I'm sure you're aware Preki's a very intense person. But the cool thing with Preki is he really cares for his players. Um and that's, you know, his whole goal is to make sure his players are successful and he's willing to do whatever it takes um, to give them all the resources to make sure they are successful. And, you know, he he expects the best out of everyone. And I think he just expects that because he knows the talent people have and he wants to make sure they can reach their full potential. Um, and funny story with me, when I was first playing for Chivas, he was always yelling at me. Um I mean, I thought I was the worst soccer player ever because um, it was always, you know, don't mess up this, this and that. But then I realized it was the days when he wasn't yelling at me that I was really having a shocker because he must have just lost hope on me because um, he's like, oh, yeah. this day is not even worth it today. Like, so, you know, like I said, I think Preki just, he has this tough exterior, but he is, you know, I've played for a lot of coaches and I've never seen a coach so passionate about his players um, and protecting his players and doing whatever he can to help his players be successful. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons I think I was successful because Preki always pushed me. Yeah. He saw the potential I had and, you know, wasn't going to let me kind of ruin that and was always there, you know, to give me the confidence and, you know, definitely let me know when I messed up and how to fix my mistakes. But, you know, I owe my whole career to Preki and, I wouldn't be where, wouldn't have accomplished what I was able to accomplish without him. So, anything else to add, Scott Nolan? No, yeah. Thanks so much, Justin, for yeah, for agreeing yeah, to come on so the much. show. No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, you know, always love my time in Sacramento. Um, so hopefully, I'll be able to get back there. And I love the idea of getting the team out there for the inaugural game. Yeah, that'd be a great know. idea. I think that, that that would be fun. We could get up in the stands with you guys and I'll wave a flag around and drink oh. some beer. Yeah. Get in the TBB. And, yeah, we'll pound some beers. You know, we'll do some stuff go. I couldn't do as a, when I was a player. Heck yeah. I love it. I love be it. i more than happy to do that. So It's on record. All right. That's fine. <laughs> you can keep it there. We're doing it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Justin. All we'll right. talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys.